you know, I didn't get as much, uh, you know, blowjobs as I probably should have in high school. But... <laughs> Especially if you were in a small town outside of Boston, there wasn't much really going on. So you would go to your high school and be like, yo, my band's playing this Friday night at the VFW down the street. And that shit would just spread like wildfire. You felt like a fucking Kardashian. I love doing that shit with one note riffs because it just sounds so fucking stupid when you go back and listen to it. I love okay, your poster, okay. by the way. That's one of my favorite. Uh... That's Lindsay's. Mm-hmm. She has very good taste. Uh, there's some butts. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend who sent that poster. That was always a cool one. Just in case we started this, but uh, just in case I decided to start this earlier, for the listeners, it's a Pink Floyd poster with a bunch of ladies <laughs> and. Uh, they're naked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that dark side of the moon, girl, that looks like shoe polish. Like, that's so racist. Yeah, no, it, it, looks, it doesn't look very convincing for the, the album. It's it's all a bunch of girls painted as the album covers. But, uh, oh, yeah. You know that, but the listeners might not know that. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, Chris, I got a question for you. Sure, go ahead. Well, two questions. A, is it cool to swear on your podcast? It's absolutely fucking acceptable. Okay. Cool. I figured that from let, the ones I've, all... I've seen. But <laughs> um, Have you listened to any episodes? I do, and that was my. That leads me to my second question. I'm confused as fuck about what your podcast is about. Like one week it's about <laughs> one week it's about music. The next week it's like five guys telling dick jokes to each other, and then the next week it's about wrestling. I'm like. What the fuck is going like? Like you got to be ADD to follow this fucking guy shit. <laughs> that's I love um, it. That, yeah, and it is kind of all over the place, and that's yeah. something that I like about it. They'll about doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of evolved into, and I don't want to make this all about me, but I'll at least answer your questions when you ask me. Uh, I think it's become sort of an open canvas for me now because. I had I changed the format. Mm. Um, once I once I was let go out of Thorhammer, obviously I had to rebrand and rethink what I wanted to do. And uh, and you know I I was listening over uh, the newest episode last night when it posted just to be sure things were in place. I did. I For some reason I waited until it was actually posted online for people to listen to it, to actually Make go sure through. The uploaded. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's another one that's like completely off the wall. Like not like any of the other episodes. We, if we, uh, improved basically the entire thing. And it was, uh, it was, I don't want to get too inside baseball here, but you know, we, uh, it's a, it's a game where we're acting like we're answering voicemails and, uh, they had, they had no idea what the subjects of the voicemails were going to (laughs) be. 
so I would toss them a, a strip of paper that had a line of dialogue on it. And the idea was that they would work it in wherever they could as the caller calling into my to my show. You know what I mean? So that and that's we had so much fun doing it and I laughed more than I ever have doing any podcasting. So that I've I kind of reach I feel like I've reached a new bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. you're this right now is expected to raise above that. <laughs> so well, now that I know that I can swear, I think we'll get there. So. Yeah. yeah, you can absolutely feel free to swear as much as you want to. So, so Thelmo, for those who haven't heard you on the uh, Thorhammer podcast that I shared, and uh, and I actually shared all of the Dream Theater podcasts I did with you on on my feed as well. For those who haven't heard those, you can go back and look into that. But uh, on baconandnays dot com, but. Thelmo is a fellow podcaster, and uh, Thelmo Rigo is also the musician who created this latest album called Progress. Mm-hmm. And I got a, I got a uh, interesting listening listen to it uh, last night, and this morning I finished it out, and it was a. It was very cool. Uh, it, w- would you like to describe it uh, in your own words to the listeners? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> uh, progress is uh, basically just all my ideas from my own head spliced together. Um, there's no other people writing, performing, anything. It's all done by me. And that's it. I just kind of go. Um, it's obviously prog metal. At least I hope it is. And, yeah. you know, focus on uh, cool riffage and solos and a lot of cool time signature stuff. And, you know, we just try to make it fun. Make it. It's instrumental music. I probably should have mentioned that. So if you need voices in order to be entertained, it's probably not for you. But I did try to make it as interesting as possible without, you know, because... Some instrumental music gets boring if it's kind of too long-winded, so I try to keep it changing all the time. Um, yeah, and you you don't want to you want to get too uh, self-indulgent in that kind of genre. You know what I mean? You want to keep it focused as much as possible, but at the same time, enjoy yourself and explore. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I, it's a I would definitely. Uh, I would definitely uh, describe it as prog metal, though. I think you're in the right. You're, you have your head in the right place on that. Cool. And uh, and yeah, it's it's cool to hear somebody that has enough balls to put out a full instrumental record because that they did themselves because you don't really see that very often outside of the uh, the people that are like actually signed to labels and stuff. You don't yeah. really see in indie projects that do where a guy does everything himself. And you know, multi instrumentalist, so I was pleasantly surprised by everything on it and uh I and I know kind of where you're coming from, uh influence wise. And uh and what I wanna do uh for this interview is kind of start from the beginning and kinda of get a overview of where you come from. You get what I'm saying? Sure. Okay, so Let's go back 
Let's go back to your earliest days, dude. All so, right. where do you grow up? <laughs> so, it all started in, on May 27th of 1985. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I was born uh, in Portugal. Actually, I don't know if you even know that, Chris, but... I, I don't know a lot about you, so this is going to yes. be an education for me as well as the listener. All right, so let's, uh, let's kind of get into this. So uh, what's the most important things about me? Um, to start, I have an un- unusually small penis um, <laughs> and, an, a, and a pretty fucking amazing beard. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I don't know, man. So, yeah, I was born in Portugal. I, I left there pretty fucking quickly. Um, I moved, or my parents, or my mom, moved to America when I was like two years old, or some shit like that. Both, um, both your parents moved together, or just your mom and you? No, my father was sick when I was just born, and he ended up dying when I was like two years old. And then, um, oh, I'm sorry. Ah, fuck him. And then, <laughs> and then, um, yes, yeah, so my mom moved to America, and we primarily lived. Outside of Boston, in Massachusetts, um, that's I lived there until I was like 26, 27 years old, and then I moved to Florida, and I've been here for a little over four years. Um, gotcha. So, so let's back up. Let's back up a little bit. So, okay, so you're growing up in Boston. We're uh, we're actually only a few months apart in age. Uh, I was born in August of the same year. Um, so I, I have, I think I have a pretty good sense of what kind of stuff you're exposed to musically, but I want to know, um, was it, was it, do you, okay. So do you have siblings? Yeah. They're all younger than me. Um, Okay. So you're, so I'm also, I'm also the oldest in my Mm -hmm. family. So how it worked for me is I kind of had to find my own stuff and my, my, dad sort of gave me some clues and stuff listening to radio but i really kind of was on my own as far as like trying to find what musical influences were gonna were gonna uh be important to me so i kind of wondering like what who was the main person that maybe gave you influence and or was it all you all right this is a good story um so my mother straight off like from another country, like as immigrant as you can get, right? I mean, she, mm-hmm. you know, she learned English and shit like that. She's not like that fuck, you know. But um, so growing up, it was like the shitty Portuguese music that was like terrible, right? Oh and, wow! And then, yeah, and then I mean, young, you know, like like uh, we didn't really listen to like, you know, it was the eighties. There's no like XM radio and shit. It was like crap with commercials and bullshit. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I hated the radio growing up. That's probably where the you know, but anyway, so my mother, she gets remarried. This dude from Brooklyn, um, nice guy, his name's Phil. He's, my, he's been my stepfather now for like 20 years or some shit. You know what I mean? But uh, this dude just listened to like gangster rap. So <laughs> I'm like 12 years old, 11 years old. My mom marries this dude. I really don't have much musicalness necessarily. But I mean, just this guy got me into Biggie and Tupac and... Dr. Dre, like that's yeah, kinda, all the all that yeah. gangster rap all, stuff all was very gangster. popular. Yeah, I remember the first music that I bought personally, and it was a fucking cassette tape, was the Dangerous Mind soundtrack because I thought Coolio was like the most gangster shit ever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I 
I I got the one of the Coolio CDs or or uh, I don't remember which one it was, but I know I got it at some point. You okay. know what I mean? Like that, all that stuff was on top forty radio, so it right. was everywhere. Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, so my upbringing musically is very strange to where I'm at now, but uh, basically, um. You know, when I got to like middle school, maybe like 13, 14 years old, I got into the like popular rock music at that time, mid 90s, mm-hmm. kind of Blink-182, Korn, um, you know, that kind of time. Right. Um, you know, a couple bands I'm not proud of, Lip Biscuit, you know, shit like that. <laughs> um and hey, then- that's, that's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, when it's at, when the music when that kind of music is everywhere and is all over MTV and stuff, like yeah. I listen to it too. Right. Right. You know, that, but like Limp Bizkit, Limp Bizkit and Corn were, you know, t- two of my first bands that I really got into. So yeah, <laughs> I got no shame in that. You know, I, I don't think you should either. No, no, but that's what it was. I mean, I started really like 12, 13 years old. Like, I heard Blake with 82 on the radio and Green Day, and I was like, that's kind of cool. You know, some, some actual real instruments and music was a nice change of pace from my fucking right. Dr. Dre beats, you know? And right, then, right. Um, you know, and then Korn and shit like that, Deftones, I mean, it, it was similar, but it was heavy, which I really liked. I've always liked that kind of darker side of the spectrum of life, you know? And it was heavy. And then from there, I progressed to uh, Metallica. And that changed everything for me. Like, it was just as heavy, but it was fast and palm-muted, and there were solos, and you could make out the notes from each other. It wasn't this down-tuned, like, mess that you can't really make out. You know? <laughs> it was like... Do you, uh, do you remember which was the first Metallica album that you bought? Uh, or that was gifted to you? I mean, I want to say the first thing I got into was probably... The Black Album, I imagine, and her Sandman was on the radio still, and yeah, you know, yeah, you know. But I mean, I very quickly went back to the beginning, Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, and then I mean, Master of Puppets came out. I mean, not come out, but um, by the time I got to Master of Puppets, that you know, Metallica was just my favorite band on earth at that time, and I mean, that album is still my top. I would say three albums, and probably the best metal album ever, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Master of Puppets just kills it for me. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right with you on that. Uh, It's it's interesting. It's very similar uh, uh, stepping stones of musically between us. Like uh, I very much, like I said, listened to those new metal bands, and then it was a pretty quick and easy jump from the new metal bands and bands like Slipknot and stuff like that to Metallica, and then from there the floodgates just opened. Yeah, you know what man. I mean? Yeah, because man. Metallica, Metallica is such a, a a good band that they're they influence and are influenced by so many good bands. So the web just like spreads out from them so, in all directions. It, yeah, it really does. I mean, from there, um, I got you know you know what are similar bands to Metallica, and I got into the Iron Maiden and all that other kind yeah. of early's you know early eighties metal. Um, and yeah, I mean, Metallica made me want to start playing guitar. So I was like, uh, by this time, I think I was like 15 years old. Um, you know, I told my mom I wanted a guitar for my birthday. Or she calls yeah. it the biggest mistake she ever made in her life, buying me a guitar. <laughs> it's just, 
honestly, I was that type of kid who like wanted to try everything and like did you know did didn't really gel with it. Like I tried like you know sports or like karate or stupid shit, and like a month later, I was like, yo, I don't want to do this anymore. You know. So she pretty much thought that playing guitar would be the same way. Like, you know, buy him a shitty ass guitar because in two months he's not going to give a shit. You know what I mean? And she couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, I've literally played guitar every day for the last, like, 17, 18 years, however old it is. And, um, you know, it's just completely engulfed my life, you know? but Well, that's a a very good thing. Yeah. To have have something like that in your life is a a gift. Absolutely. So, so, so what was, what, how was your high school experience, would you say? Like, uh... Where, did you have a group of friends that were also into the same kind of heavy bands that you were, or were you sort of loner, or how did that go? Um, it was kind of weird. I kind of, um, I guess I wasn't really a loner. I certainly like. It's kind of weird because I had all these, I had all these things I liked. You know what I mean? Like there was definitely kids I liked Metallica. And there was still those new metal kids that like Corn, and then you had like the punk rock kids like the Blink Way Two and the Sum Forty Ones and the bullshit. And I just really gelled well with all of them. Um, yeah. Preppy kids hated me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember around ninety nine two thousand when we were like in high school, like the really big pants that like completely covered your shoes. Oh yeah, I like, wore them. Yeah, I wore them. Yeah. I like, them. yeah. And so. <laughs> So just because, based on my clothing, definitely the preppy kids, I like, didn't like uh, me as much. So uh, you know, I didn't get as much, uh, you know, blowjobs I probably should have in high school. But, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that was okay. Uh, but but well, that probably has to do with the unusually small penis. But but <laughs> no no, the penis makes them not want to fuck you. Blowjobs are so easy. It's like drinking soda out of a fucking straw. You know like, what? You make you have a good point there. And I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that as a as a point on your side on that argument. Uh, so I, I remember in college being in the co- uh, cafeteria having a chat with some chick there. I don't even remember her name, but she was telling me about her boyfriend. She's like, yeah, like he's got like a really big dick, and like it feels great like getting fucked, but like blowing him, like my jaw just hurts. Like why can't he have a small <laughs> dick when I'm blowing him and like have that shit like transform her out? It's like giant destroy my vagina fucking building you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's hilarious so I, was just well, like, I was like you could blow me and fuck him if that helps like i don't know what other <laughs> uh, nah, I'm but uh <laughs> well you, you got to give her options you know right absolutely so well uh yeah it sounds like well you you come off to me as a pretty friendly person <laughs> so it doesn't really surprise me that like you, you wouldn't really have a problem with hanging out with whoever in high school but of course in high school is really clicky. So you end up by proxy of your big pants or whatever kind of bullshit that people judge each other on in high school. You just end up with your group of fellow music lovers. You know what I mean? That's yeah. But that's how it was. Me, yeah, absolutely. man. But let me tell you something like I was okay with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was so focused on guitar playing. Like all my friends are out drinking beers and partying on the weekends. I'm like, I would come home from school and I would either have to work that night, if, you know, by the time I got a job, like 16 or whatever. Um, otherwise, it was like I would play guitar from like when I got home until it was time to go to sleep. Like I, w- I would put in five to seven hours a night, like if I could. And I was 
I was okay with people not bugging me. Like the less shit I was obligated to go do and like, you know, with all these people, the happier I was. Like I wanted to just sit down and learn fucking Kirk Hammett solos and play Master Puppets and jam out to the CDs. I remember jamming on Metallica with my buddy. He brought his little practice amp to my house. We would jam in my bedroom. I remember doing that on 9-11. Like we're just in my house. Yeah, like we went to school that morning. All the shit was going down. I was like fucking like, you know, like I'm super into the news and politics and shit now, as as I'm sure you see all the shit I post. But back then, yeah. I didn't give two fucks. Like I was like, wow, that's really fucked up. What's happening? Yo, let's go play some fucking puppets. Like like after school, you know. What I mean? uh-huh. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and that's a. I think that's a natural reaction. Yeah. You know, if you're if you are into playing music, like that's yeah, that's your stress reliever. That's your way to escape and that kind of thing. I I want to say, I mean, you can actually go on my YouTube and check out some uh, old camcorder videos of me, me playing drums in my basement, and that's like right around nine eleven. That's mm-hmm. like I, I guarantee you, I was playing drums on nine eleven. There's no doubt in my mind that I was <laughs> banging out drums in my basement, annoying every person in my neighborhood. My my house was very much not soundproofed. It was a split level house, like in the middle of a subdivision. You know what I mean? And I I know for a fact all my neighbors hated me once I had a drum set. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, so so uh, from there you go to from there you go to college in Boston, right? And um, I kind I'm kind of wondering what that was like to go to school in Boston because I know it's a it's a hub for these big colleges. And what was the I you went to Berkeley, correct? No. Well, no, you. Not like really. I went to Berkeley to get a. Um, I took a Berkeley course in Pro Tools. Um, oh, okay. For recording, so I got like a certificate from there. But my actual colleging, um, I went to a different college, like for a real. What, uh, like, what was the What was the university you went to? University of Massachusetts, uh, UMass. Okay. Um, is that in Boston proper, or is that outside of? Uh, the one I went to is outside of. Is in this uh, little town called Dartmouth. It's in uh, southeast Massachusetts, and, um, you know, that's where the campus that I went to was located. But um, it was kind of – college for me was interesting because – well, let's back it up. So, you know, I'm I'm a teenager playing Metallica, learning to play guitar. Um, Eventually, I got to the point where I think I learned as much as I could from – which is a lot. I mean, James Hetfield has, like, shaped the way I play rhythm guitar, like, completely – you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's, but, he's a he's a brilliant uh, uh, rhythm player. Yeah. I mean, every, I, he's renowned for his ability in that. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, man. And you know, Kirk Hammett. You know, once you discover, it's kind of the same five blues licks over and over again, and in different contexts. And you kind <laughs> uh, of, that's you, that's <laughs> actually pretty funny because my old guitarist. We used, I used to be in a Metallica tribute band for a little bit, like. That's we would just play Metallica and Pantera songs all day, yeah. but he would he would tell me like yeah all you have to really do is stick around these couple of note groups and have a wah pedal, and you're Kirk Hammond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. But yeah, that makes sense. And I'm not dissing him. I mean, who you know who no, could take great. who could take the pentatonic scale and play like you know that kind of shredding over it? I mean, it's just. It's just, you know, the best use of five notes ever. You know what I'm saying? But, right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, um, you know, that drive to improve on guitar um, really forced me to look even further um, into more technical music than what Metallica was doing. Um, and that's when I discovered the prog, man. And it all changed. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that, and that like I said, that, that Metallica is a, is a catalyst that kind of prepares you for this this progressive music that um some some of it even came before metallica yeah. but um but nonetheless it's it's a whole another level and different way of looking at music than metallica is and uh they i mean they really tried to achieve that with injustice but um but yeah, of course, you know, you have the Dream Theater Radio podcast and uh and you and I are both make Dream Theater fans and we have that in common and you know, once you find that uh a common band with somebody you could that you love, you could just talk for days about oh that about whatever band. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, I if if I get in a room with somebody who's a huge Rush fan, I can talk to them for days about it. And I do. <laughs> so, right. But I wanted to ask you about, uh, in, in Massachusetts, like what kind of live music scene is there? Were you going to shows? Like even before that in high school, were you going to shows? Yeah. So, um, you know, my last year or two of high school, the scene really took off. And then this is probably 2001, 2002, um, maybe even 2003. Uh, Massachusetts for a short time really became like the hub of metal for the country. I mean, Kill Switch and, you know, Shadows Fall and all, you know, those yeah, Massachusetts and, uh, bands. Hatebreed hey would come hey down Breed. a lot. Yeah. You know, and yep. like, um, you know, Massachusetts really became the place, you know, to get into metal. Um, I was in a band at that time and we can talk about that if you like, but, um, called Embrits. And yeah, we just fit right into that scene. Like the other guys are really into that kill switch kind of vibe. And then I brought the progressive elements and we kind of mixed that together and made some really cool music. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great at that period of time, you know, kill switch really opened up, I think the mass metal scene. Um, in the early 2000s, you know, albums like Alive are just breathing. Um, yeah, yeah, know, and I, I saw them on. I saw them on those tours. They came. They came here on those tours, yeah. and I was also in high school checking out whatever show my parents would let me go to. You know what I mean? Yeah. They. I know they opened for Slayer. Um, maybe Soulfly. It's hard to remember at this point. It's been it was a, how many years ago was that? Yeah, <laughs> like, a, a lot of just breathing has got to be like fifteen years old at least by now. But I think like oh one or oh two or something yeah. like that that yeah. came out. But uh, but that's cool that you were going to shows. Uh, you know, that's a very important part of being a musician is immersing yourself in that scene. You know. Yeah, and it was so great because they were all coming up. Like you know. You know, you'd send a fucking instant message because that's what was around back then. And you yeah. could easily, hey, I'm in a band fucking down the street and you can open for Shadows Fall. Like, no problem. Like, they were just still on that up and up where they were just dudes, you know? Like, I met all the Killswitch yeah, guys and, many times, you know? Like, it's just cool shit. Uh, 
Well, now now that you mentioned Shadows Fall, we'll do a little sidebar. Ooh. The vocalist, the vocalist of Shadows Fall, lives in St. Louis now really? with his wife and kid. Um, I am uh, I'm not friends with him really, but um, I've played shows with his band who uh, they're called Hell Knight, and uh, I've I've plugged him on the podcast before, but. They play shows here pretty often. I don't think he's going to ever really tour with the band. I think he's pretty focused on the family stuff right now. Yeah. Especially since one of the guys in Shadows Fall is in Anthrax. <laughs> so that Shadows Fall stuff's not really going to be happening anytime soon. No. no. Uh, but if, if you get a chance, check out Hell Knight. They're a really groovy, heavy metal band. All, like, uh, I would... I would put them more in line with hardcore than anything yeah uh but it's still it's great but uh, let's go let's get back into you <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i got a knock on the door here what's up Lindsay says hello hi she's passing through <laughs> nice she just woke up like <laughs> half an hour ago so not does not feel like talking okay so when uh you say you're playing with uh, your band Emirates and stuff. When uh, when do you make the move to Florida? Yeah, so I was in Emirates. Um, it was a good time, man. I look at I, you know I look back on those days as some of the best times of my life. Like my early twenties, like yeah, we had so much fun. Like it was such a good scene. Like you could rent a fucking shitty VFW for fifty bucks and. You know, 800 kids would pour into it. or, or I mean, it felt like 800 kids. It was a small room. It was probably like 30 kids. But who, who the fuck knows? But it didn't right, even right. matter, man. Like, it was just so much fun. Like, So is that is – was the scene there mostly based around those little, like, Knights of Columbus and VFWs? Or was it also small rinky-dink bars? Uh, kind of both. Um, definitely okay. the bars. But, like, for some reason, a lot of, like, the younger kids were into the bands at that time. And these bars yeah. were so shitty about not letting people under 21. So it's almost like you took a massive gamble if you went and played a place that was 21 plus that you'd literally be playing to uh, to just the other bands and their girlfriends right. and bullshit like that. Where right. if you just rented a VFW for 50 bucks, you rented the cop to stand there all night and talk shit for another 50 bucks. Like you could fill that place with high school kids and it would just be a blast. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. We we did a couple of shows where it was all ages and uh, and there was a club here in town that that actually would like gate off where the bar was so so that minors could get up and around it and get up by the stage. See, you know what cool. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that was just a way around the law, I guess. Right. But uh, but um, yeah. I mean, it sounds like we had very similar kind of growing up process you know what i mean like i i also played in bands ever since i owned a drum set you know what i mean uh you just find whatever you got to do to find a way to play a show for your friends that's what you do you know what i mean like like you said like you find a vfw you find somebody that can promote the show you pass up flyers that's what people used to do anyways pass up flyers i don't know that that happens that much anymore uh sometimes i mean the promotion was so easy because like especially if you're in a small town outside of boston there wasn't much really going on so you would go to your high school and be like yo my band's playing this friday night at the vfw down the street 
and that shit would just spread like wildfire. You felt like a fucking Kardashian. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's fucking like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, man, it was, I mean, I look back, you know, and it wasn't just in high school. Like, we kind of did that. I was in Emirates until 2010. So, like, 20. Oh, okay, yeah. So, up until you or so. pretty up until you left, basically. A couple years right? before I left, yeah. Yeah, I left okay. in 2012. Uh, 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 January 2013, I moved here. So it was like gotcha. three years before. But, you know, and unfortunately, um, you know, people grow up, people get married. And um, Embrance had a, a problem with four super dedicated dudes and a drummer that never gave a fuck. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> that was always kind of the, well, we had a good drummer, a really good drummer, and he was a cool dude, very responsible dude. And he ended up having to move to Virginia or some shit for his job or whatever and his girl. And uh, so we ended up getting another drummer who was ridiculously talented. Like this dude could play some August Burns Red shit and like break it down like nobody, man. But like, he was just a, li- a couple years younger. You know, we were 23, 24. He was probably, like, 20, you know, 21 maybe. And just completely wild and, like, would skip practices, would come to practices higher, drunk, you know, show up late for shows. Like, like you you know, you're the fucking guy that takes the longest to set up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, the drummer has to be um, – even more dedicated than everybody right. else to yeah. put up with the stuff they have yeah. to do. So Yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, you see these people that are so talented that they should make it quite easily, you know, and for lack of a maturity, really just bomb yeah. themselves, you know? So that's kind of, that was the downfall of Emirates. Once we lost our good drummer that we had for years, um, you know, it wasn't a problem finding, finding talent. It was a problem finding somebody that gave a shit enough and yeah. you know you know and then the four people that were dedicated eventually really dwindled down in enthusiasm due to that and it just kind of all went its own way it really soured me on bands i haven't been in a real band since um that's really when i started playing drums myself and learning to record and doing all these things because i was so sick of like you know trying so hard for other people to just kind of shit on you. That's really where the idea to do solo type things really stem from, I guess. Um. So that, yeah. So that's like the, that's like the impetus of your, of your solo project, which you're, what you're doing now, but we'll get to that in a second. So, um, so you would, so I would say that that kind of changed how you look at music overall is like, it gave you a different perspective on what it was going to take for you to get the job done at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Cause, um, and I'm kind of having a lot of that going on in my own head right now too, is after being let go from this band, um, after it could arguably be said, I was the most dedicated and, um, And when you kind of put yourself out there and then end up getting shit canned, it's like, okay, we'll start from square one. Can I make myself do that all over again and be proud about what, uh, you know, even more happy about what I create after all this? 
you know um it's hard man that's, i mean it's like it a, is hard it's you, like being, you have to make yourself do it because the because the art is worth it you know absolutely but i mean you know it's i think the problem is and i don't know how st louis is but in massachusetts we were in this situation where you could find a guitar player every 10 feet and drummers were like rare as fucking, you know, cocks with assholes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so it puts you in a position where they don't have to be dedicated like the rest of you because they don't give two fucks. Like they can be in 10 other bands next week if if you tell them the fuck off. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, you know. And it, and it, re- it does depend on that because like – um, you know, it, it, whatever band you're in, the other guys can find another thing if they try hard enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, because I was so involved in the one thing, and you were so involved in your one thing at the time, it's like when you lose that one thing, it's like no. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but you but you keep going, and um, I'm. When when I listened to your record, it, it honestly made me happy because um, there was a time, I guess a little bit before the last time we did a podcast. So it was like summer, a little bit before September maybe, uh, you had posted like that you were frustrated and you wanted to sell your stuff. And you told me that you were drinking a little bit that night, but <laughs> when you drink, the truth comes out, yeah. you know, so that... <laughs> So um, I know I, I know you're frustrated for a little bit, but you, you got your shit together and you made it happen, you know, and that that's inspiring to me. And um, and I and I want I want my listeners to know that if you want it to happen, you may you can make it happen. You just have to do it. You yeah. know, it's hard, man. I mean, everything has uh, pros and cons um, as a musician. And I'm sure you agree there's basically two outlets, which is the reason we play music. One is to create, right? And then one is to perform. Um, right. And unfortunately, the route that I've taken, where I make my own music, um, it makes the performing difficult, right? Because it's like... It's like... <laughs> <laughs> <Lindsay's> again. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it does. It, I I can understand that, and I that was actually going to be something I was going to ask you about. Like, are you are you happy just getting that side of it? And uh, do you ever plan on trying to get people to play these songs? Or if you found people, would you want to start completely new with them? Um, it kind of depends. Um, you know, you know. There's a lot of questions wrapped into what you just asked. So, um, right, right. you know, as far as would I like to one day start a band and do shit completely fresh? Absolutely. I would love to do that with people. But it has to be, like, progressive. You know, I can't go back to, like, playing, like, power chord fucking Green Day songs. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's got to be something we all have interest in. Because uh, we're not getting any younger, right? To go waste time playing music we don't love, to me, makes no sense. But... You know, yeah, you wanna... no, I, I, I have no interest in playing music that I'm not passionate about or yeah. being in a cover band. Like, I'll play a cover or two for fun once in a while. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you absolutely need to fulfill yourself, um, 
musically and creatively. So yeah. I'm with you on that 100%. Yeah. Now, as far as my music goes, uh, there's a couple challenges there. So would I love to perform them live? Absolutely. Like, I play them all the time. Just, you know, you know, one thing I do when I make an album is um, I remove all the guitar tracks and burn me a copy with just the other instruments. And I use that to practice the songs and to play mm-hmm. and, you know, all, all, um, all that good shit. So, you know, it's a challenge because it brings you to a fork in the road, you know? You, you kind of have two options. You're like, do I f- go out and find, you know, a drummer, bass player, and keyboard player that meet two qualifications? I'm magically all good enough to play the music I've written. Because um, I'm sure you'll agree that, you know, listening to uh, to the drums, it wouldn't necessarily be a very easy feat, right? Um, with all the well, it, it would, <laughs> yeah, it, it would take a while to get it all laid out. Right. So and then, then you have to play it. <laughs> right. So, right. So to go, you know, and there's ways I can help someone do that. I can give you a track of just the drums. You know, I, I I wouldn't be like, you know, I want every hit exactly the way it's recorded. Like, do your thing with them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'd be okay with that. You know, uh, but you know, it's like going to find musicians good enough to play the music that I like, while being okay with playing someone else's complete music that you have no input in. Like, that's a challenge on its own. Uh, the other challenge is to just go play little places with just myself and have everything on a backing track and risk looking like a complete schmuck or, like, asshole. You know what I'm saying? Are you getting a blowjob right now? What's happening in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have Oh, it's a piece of paper. Here. I just saw, yeah. like, a shadowy thing bobbing oh, up and down in front, front of you. Like, uh, listeners, be be <laughs> at ease. Nothing is happening that is untoward. Uh, so, if if this is just a hypothetical, if you had to go into your head, pick a different kind of music to play. What would you want to play that is not in heavy metal or prog metal? Um. I don't think I would. I don't think anything that's not even remotely metal would be worth my investment. To be honest, with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, if that's the case, uh, I could easily join them. You know, down where I live, you, there's a lot of beaches and shit, and they hire yeah. bands all the time to play. You know what you music. should do in that case? I would suggest joining a Sublime tribute band. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's exactly what it is. And, and I know, I know like, that's what it is. <laughs> like it's, it's, I just, I, I don't see myself with my, I mean, I got kids, I'm married. I do so much shit, you know, like, you know, to go dedicate myself to something again, that I'm not passionate about at all. Mm. It, it's not worth it. I'd rather never play another gig the rest of my life, to be honest. Yeah, until uh, on my side of that, until I get something that I feel like is worth exhibiting and showing to people, then I'm sticking to my practice space and my head. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, I had a I had a cool drum beat in my head this morning, and I turned on my voice recorder on my iPhone, and I just beatboxed it into my iPhone. And if that's all I get until I can play a gig again, then yeah. I'm happy doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course, obviously, I'm going to go and play drums, but yeah. the beatboxing helps. 
Uh, Dude, the iPhone or smartphone in general completely changed everything about being a musician. I mean, not only from a marketing standpoint with Facebook and all that other shit and getting your music out there, but exactly what you just said. Like, you know how many times I'm like fucking at work, bored out of my mind, and a riff comes to my head and I just hit record on my phone and sing it in. You know what I mean? And like, you know, you yeah, go listen you gotta to sing. Yeah. You got to sing the riff to yourself so you don't forget it. That's it, dude. That's it. And especially, yeah. I love doing that shit with one note riffs because it just sounds so fucking stupid when you go back and listen <laughs> to it later. Like, I'll literally be like, ah, oh, dude, you don't I, be badass in that part of the song I'm working on. And I'll record yeah. and be like, you know what I mean? And you go back and you're like, what the fuck am I doing at work? I should be a better I don't know. uh, Yeah, I don't know what that recording I did earlier today is going to sound like (laughs) when I listen back to it. But but I I know it was important when I recorded it, and that's what matters. Uh, One thing I really love about technology, really, is how much it's opened up the possibility. You know what I mean? Like, for example, you and me, we live... 2,000 miles from each other, like, we can mm-hmm. never make music together. But the way life is now, like, I could, e- you know, if you had a way of recording drums, like, I could easily send you, like, a guitar scratch track with a click track and have you bust out drums and send it back and mix it all. Like, you can do shit like that all the time. But as far as performing, it makes life a little bit, uh, you know, difficult. Yeah, and that's, um, you know... When you when you think and I've heard it laid out by musicians before is like the the performing music is like the final stage of the song. It's like when the song becomes alive. You know what I mean? And obviously it's live because you're playing it in person. But when like the song finally like breathes and you feel the, those parts merge with each other and like what works when you're actually playing the song together and what doesn't. And you like inch things closer to each other and kind of like do the weird face signals or whatever to each other. Cause <laughs> yeah. I'm a drummer. I have to be like, I have to be like, hold up a couple fingers or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, so, so if you're happy with not having that final stage, I say that this record progress uh, Th- by Thelma Riga, which you can find on, uh, uh, what is it on? iTunes. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, every major place. Um, I'd say that I'd say if you're happy with not having that final stage, then it, it's absolutely success, and uh, you should be proud of it because it's good. Thank you. <laughs> and I definitely encourage listeners to uh, download it as soon as possible. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't, you know, iTunes is definitely a cool place. Um, if you'd like to listen to it for free, uh, definitely Spotify or any other major streaming oh, yeah. services. It's on there. You know, um, you know, people love free stuff. Yeah. So. You could, uh, <laughs> you know, you could buy it on my Bandcamp page. It's way cheaper than iTunes. On iTunes, I don't know if you know this, Chris, but you can't control the price. Um, so I did just, not. Yeah, so I think the lowest iTunes will let you go for the most part is like nine ninety or some shit like that. Which uh, I mean, it's not a lot of money, obviously, but for someone that no one knows and you're taking a chance on it, I feel like iTunes should give you the option of having things maybe like four ninety nine, five bucks is is an easier investment for uh, yeah, you know. But you know, for that reason, I definitely have it on Bandcamp for dirt cheap and. Uh, 
there's plenty of free places to go check it out too. So any streaming services. Yeah, and I'll and I'll have uh, I'll have links to this stuff in the show notes on uh on on the uh on the page and everything. Um last question before we go and and uh hopefully get a whole episode. Okay, okay, you, yeah. Sucker. Well let let me do let me do one last question for you and then we can end on whatever you got for me. Go for it. Uh what do you have any plans for the near future in either your podcast or the music that you want to share with people? Yes. So, um, progress was the second album came out last November. I didn't even tell you about the first album. That's okay. We'll get into that later. But, uh, yeah, that's- um, yeah. So in the next couple of weeks, maybe days, I'm actually releasing a single song, that is like my epic song. It's like a 20 minute change of season style, like epicness. And it's going to be, that's awesome. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Um, I'm going to put it up everywhere that it's free uh, for people to download. And yeah, it's just going to be, it's very kind of different than progress in a certain way. Um, obviously, you know, it has my style to it, obviously, but uh, progress is more, I don't want to say it's not melodic ever because that's not really true, right? But it's more shreddy, I guess you would say. Um, mm. And this is going to be way more melody and a lot more um, kind of like – I took the opportunity of writing a long song to really take you through kind of different emotions like throughout. So it's going to have a very kind of – different feel in different places while all still kind of tying them together. So I'm pretty excited about it. I like the way it's came out in the recording and I think it's going to be awesome. That should be out very soon. Okay, good. Uh, definitely look forward to that. And I'll, I'll also link that whenever it comes out on, uh, on the social medias. Cool. Uh, what about dream theater radio? Is there anything yeah. Uh, uh, besides, of course, new episodes are coming, but what what can we look forward to in new episodes of that? Yeah, so Dream Theater Radio, um, I don't know how many of your listeners listen to it, but uh, the first season was all about the regular Dream Theater albums. We kind of went through, you know, in order um, mm-hmm. and reviewed all that. And season two, man, I'm just looking really forward to getting into all the abstract weird shit that maybe people aren't as familiar with. Um you know, I started with LTE because that's what most Dream Theater fans are familiar with. But there's so much crazy James Lambrie solo shit. And, you know, I mean, it just I just want to take it in a really obscure direction where, like, only the real diehard fans are going to really kind of appreciate, you know. But, yeah, and I, I think that's a good move. I think it, uh, introducing people to stuff they never heard is something that podcasting is all about, you yeah, know. Definitely. Uh, the one, the one thing that I would, I'm gonna just throw a suggestion out there is uh, Jelly Jam, and I'm sure you've heard of it. It's Myung's one of Myung's side projects or whatever. Yeah. And I found a, I found, I think I found a Jelly Jam song on like, I was at a Goodwill one day, and they had a Vic Firth sampler, which is like so random that I would ever find something cool in a CD bin at a Goodwill, but but it was it actually was cool, and it had one of their songs on it, and I was like, what? How does this even happen? But uh, I don't even remember what Jelly Jam CD it's on, but I dug it, and that's all that I know, and I would, I'm looking forward to 
your uh, new material and your new podcast stuff. And on that note, we are going to go to your show. But, oh, you had questions for me. Why am I trying to rush this? Damn. We're not in a hurry. <laughs> well, we want to keep, what, uh, we want to keep your away. fans entertained. Yeah. Yeah, throw throw whatever you got at me. Uh, I'm ready. Okay, couple Maybe. things. Couple things related to progress. So okay. number one, you just listened to the album uh, yesterday yeah. and today. So what's your what's your favorite song? I wrote down. I wrote down Egyptian Tie Fighter, which I thought was really interesting. And the uh, last song on the album, Nine, uh, was really cool, too. Um, I, I I definitely enjoyed that it wasn't all just one thing. You know what I mean? Like, like you kind of mixed it up in different parts. And there's even, like, intros of songs with, like, little electronic drum parts. And all of that stuff is good. Like, you want to – it needs to be uh, – it has to have different shades to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there are certainly bands out there, I guess like punk bands approach it as, yeah, we can all just be one thing, but if you're making a prog metal record, it needs to have shades and, uh, I think you achieve that. Um, but yeah, the, there's, uh, there's, I like when you slow the tempo down too and like throw those little, those odd kind of slower uh odd tempo beats and that kind of thing like uh obviously i'm a fan of all that kind of stuff so um yeah it was cool i I, yeah i mean you can listen uh for listeners they can go and check it out and listen through the entire record and there's something for everybody so yeah that was important to me like the decision to make instrumental music came from a, I sing like shit, so nobody wants to hear that crap. <laughs> and then B, um, you know, I, you know, I think having little electronic drums and you know, v- uh, very drastic turns from heavy to soft or whatever the case may be on the transition. Like, I think you have to keep instrumental music entertaining. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you have a singer, you can get away with writing a verse and chorus and maybe one little kind of breakdown section or whatever. But when you're writing instrumental music, I mean. As soon as you repeat a riff twice, it already seems boring to me, like in a way. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause right, yeah. You know, there's, not, you know, there's no like melody really push. I mean, obviously there's lots of melody, but, um, you know, so that's that. So my next question for you, Chris Nays, uh, what's your least favorite song on the album? Ooh. Uh, maybe one of the, let's see, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it's, it was one of the intro t- tracks that were just shorter and kind of led to another track. I think it's is it reverse reverse dro? Yeah, that I I if I was going to have to pick one to just cut out, then it would be that one. Yeah. But that's only like a minute and a half long, and it's just like a little interlude sort of thing. So, but I've always been like that, like. Say, for instance, Tool's album, and I, I'm sure you're a Tool fan if you're a prog fan, at least a little bit. Uh, the Tool album Enema, or A-Enema, or however they say it. I don't know how they pronounce it. There are these interlude tracks that are there pretty much for no reason besides they're just filling up space. You know what I mean? And 
once that track kicks in, you know it immediately. It's like, bam, this song has started and we're good to go. Yeah. But between that, there's like people talking, conversation, uh, like all for, for me, just cut that shit out. Just get, just get straight to the mean? music. Yeah. Yeah. See, and we're a band. Uh, we'll we'll keep going back to Dream Theater all day long, of course. But a band like Dream Theater, they throw it in creatively in the in the intro as the song is building up, not not just tacked on in a middle track. Yeah. You know what I mean? That just it like it very much feels tacked on. But that being said, um, that's really the only thing I would pick out of there to throw out. Cool. Yeah, yeah, my whole kind of idea with Reverse Tro was um, the whole concept in writing that was I wanted a song, not even a song, it is an interlude to the next track, you're absolutely right, but th- the idea behind it was I wanted something that was not played like a guitar. So not once during that song, you know, uh, does a pick hit a guitar string. Like okay, it's, we'll it's, see. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's, but, it's all. But, I, but as just a listener, I don't necessarily know. Right. right. Yeah. So. But, so it's all kind of like all the higher notes are all like finger tapped, and all mm-hmm. the low notes are kind of almost like a you know like slapping the bass like kind of thing like you know just yeah. like whacking it with your thumb to get like that string to like vibrate. You know what I mean? So that's yeah, kind of yeah, what yeah. I was going for on there. But yeah, I mean. I put out a little video of that song one day, just kind of playing it just for fun, which which kind of shows that. But I agree with you. Gonna, you know, if you're not paying I'll attention check. to that, it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's definitely a low moment in the album for sure. So. Yeah, and, the, and I'm, I mean, that, that being said, like, I think albums need those kind of breather moments too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before you get into a badass track, sometimes it works. So... Yeah, but I, overall, I give it like a nine out of ten. Nice. So, thumbs up. Awesome. Whatever kind of rating you want to say, five star. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. It's good. That's what matters. I enjoyed it, and I think people will. And that's why I had you on my show. Sweet man, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. What do you think of? You know, obviously, you're somebody who listens to a lot of music. What do you think of the production? of it um you think it holds uh, up okay or yeah i think it's a it's um for res- the resources that you have as far as like um doing it all yourself yeah i think it's i think it works great cool um with the small caveat of like i have to say like i'm not a huge fan of electronic drums as a rule mm. But that's just because I'm a drummer myself and I play acoustic drums and that's what I like to hear on records. Um, but when it's it's the same thing as a song. It's like when you know what the guy is doing, then you kind of le- like I'll give it a little bit of leniency. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Nine Inch Nails, for instance. Like Tr- uh, uh, Trent Reznor, like he programs all that you know he does and that's the approach and that's the sound he wants yeah. and and I'm sure that's the same thing with you is like you want that sound because that's what you got and you're going to work with it and you're going to make it work you know what I mean well I um, I um, I don't know I kind of 
it, it kind of depends on the circumstance for me. Um, I obviously play drums and have a drum set and pretty much, you know, right behind me actually. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, see and, pictures and stuff. yeah. And kind of the way, like my process is with the drums is I actually do write it all for the most part on, on the drum set. Cause I don't know, oh, if my okay. mind, you know, if my mind, that's just how I have to write. I can't just like look at MIDI notes and like, Composed drum beats, you know what I mean. But for yeah, the that recording, would be, yeah. that would be extremely difficult for yeah. me as well. So. Right, right. And then you know, thinking about velocities and how how hard you would naturally hit something during a part. Like you know, there's a lot of mental that goes into it. But just the um, you know, it's definitely a compromise to go electronic drums. But the amount of effort in in this room to record this drum set where it would sound well. You know, because this isn't a million-dollar studio, obviously. There's a shit ton of echo in this room. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Just playing drums all day like that is not really always feasible. So, it, you know, it's the compromise that has to be done because I think it it um, it would be worse the other way in my particular situation. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's – yeah, you pick the better option for sure. Yeah. You don't uh, want to – you don't want to settle ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just have to work with what you got. That's it. And you to know? me, there's some great records out there that incorporate, you know, those kind of program drums. Like um, the one that comes to mind right away is the first Animals as Leaders album. Yeah, you, you for know, sure. You know, and I really like a lot of what they got going on. But obviously their drummer's phenomenal, so, you know. Yeah, and and I guess I'm referring to more um, more the 80s program you know what i mean like it's come yeah. a long way sure it's it's it, i mean animals as leaders is like light years beyond tears for fears or some bullshit like no, that course, you know what i mean course, yeah. uh so but yeah I, I i definitely agree like animals is they they nail it with the drum sound on the on their record so yeah but yeah i i i, I dig what you did with the record and um and i think everything feels pretty balanced cool yeah. All right, man. That's all the questions I had for you. I just took over your show. Okay. Thelma no, with it's, eggs. It's all good. I rarely get asked any questions on my, my own show, so I, right. I take the opportunity any day of the week. Uh, thank you for being on Bacon and A's on our first interview episode. This has legitimately never happened. <laughs> so, You've had other people on your show. Oh, no. I have people on my show, but... We're working together to do a thing. Gotcha. Not, not. I don't. I don't really ever interview anybody person to person. So, uh, it's something new, and I think it worked. Sweet. Well, yeah. it, was a, it was a pleasure, Mister Nays. Always good to talk to yep. you. Yep. And uh, until next time, uh, download some free music from Thelmo Rigo, his album Progress, or download his podcast Dream Theater Radio. Constantly putting out new episodes, and we are thankful for it. Thank you, Thelmo, and uh, see you next time. Thank you, sir.